This is a theory of conspiracy. Harry to Michael and Jonas Daniel. Okay, so this is the second episode of the Theory of Conspiracy podcast. This week I'm going to be flying solo as Jonas Daniel's got something going on. But I will be here for the next 40 minutes or so to uh, be with you. Because we're going to change up gears just a little bit. And we've already talked a little bit so far about things such as, you know, this whole... You know, we've meant, we've touched on uh, population reduction, sort of a, you know, what many would term a global conspiracy. Uh, believe me, I, I, in many ways, I'm not as much of a crackpot as some of the people who are conspiracy theorists, but in other ways, I might actually be more, might be more of a uh, crackpot. But, um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go back and we're going to explain some things just to clarify some some ideas of, of what we think about when we're talking about some of these things. One of the things I'm gonna, we're going to discuss is go back and talk about the Illuminati, okay, because you hear Illuminati these days all over the place. I mean, it's become this big hip-hop thing, you know, Jay-Z picked it up and all of a sudden now everybody's doing these Illuminati things and all this ridiculousness. And, and even, you know, you go on YouTube and half the videos on YouTube have Illuminati in a title or something like that, something, something crazy. The point being that, uh, the Illuminati is, I guess you would put a mindset. I'm going to go back in time and actually explain to you what the real Illuminati is, but also what it is now. See, the Illuminati was started by um, a man named Weissop, Adam Weissop. He lived over in Bavaria, Germany, in the Prussia, and uh, he was pretty much, you know, he was a communist in a, sense, in a certain sense. Um, he was a, an atheist. Uh, he He was actually against... Basically, like what Freemasonry was at the time, which was basically, it was people with skilled trades who had, you know, things that they needed, and, and it, 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 you know, it was all about you, an honest day's pay for an honest day's work, you had these skills, you protected your skills, you didn't let just anybody know them, that way you could... Sort of, and they, he didn't like that that sort of secrecy around stuff like that. But he also didn't like what he referred to as superstitions and uh, religious influence over everyday life. And he was against monarchs, and he was also very much against state power. But at the same time, he was <laughs> pretty much. Um, it's weird because he was, while well, simultaneously being against all of the things he was, he seemed to be against. But you would think, oh well, it's like he's against um, sort of like a capitalist thing. He wasn't really a communist as we think today. See, back then communism was different. It's not. This is prior to Marx and prior to these guys, so it hadn't turned a corner yet. Um, Basically, there was this fight 
between the two different sides of how to run government. And some people said the government shouldn't do anything. It should just sit back. It's called laissez-faire. It shouldn't do anything. Other people said, well, this government should be in your in your life every day, helping to even the playing field and just helping to put security nets out so if people fall, they don't fall too hard. Things like that. But the issue was is that at this point, the only people who had the only way they had the resources to do that were monarchs, but they didn't want the monarchical system because although the monarch could be laissez-faire in what it is, it usually wasn't because the monarch needs to protect the monarchy. So they're looking for essentially a third way, which is interesting. We hear that a lot today. There's a third way. But basically, if you go ahead and you look at what uh, what they were trying to do, they wanted basically what we have today. They wanted a, a, a situation where superstition is looked down upon as being stupid and, and you know, oh, it's folklorish and stuff. Uh, they wanted religion out of everyday life. I mean, 90% of people who had claimed to be a any given religion in the Western world today absolutely in no way embodies anything of what they claim to to believe. I mean, <laughs> there's no way that nine, nine out of ten people who claim to be a Christian or claim to be whatever, Buddhist, actually make it through an entire day and, and, and actually stop at one point and, and think to themselves about whatever religion they're thinking about. They d it just doesn't happen. And so the interesting thing is, we're living in the result of what he preached and what he wanted, even though, in my opinion, it's not necessarily what they thought. See, the term Illuminati means to be enlightened. Uh, it comes from, you know, Illuminatus, which is Latin for illuminated. So these are people who felt that they were smarter. They were thinking people. That we, we don't need religion. We don't need superstition. We don't need... All these different things because we have the ability to think now. You know, they, they, you know, they don't, there's obscurantism, which means to deliberately withhold facts, which is funny because the Illuminati became a group and the whole point was is to give people enough, but they still hold back certain things. Well, as time goes by, with the Illuminati, they're certain they're kind of growing, but there's a sentiment in Europe that is not a good thing. It's that 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 there are too many royal families, there are too many things going on, and nobody wants to give up their sense of security over something like you know the ability to to think without religions interfering with you. So. Adam Weissop did something very, very smart. Instead of just hating the Masonic Lodge, he joined the Masonic Lodge. And he used that to his advantage to spread what he wanted. On the other side of this break, I'm going to explain to you how he did that.
Okay, and we're back. So, Adam Weissop was a professor of law uh, at the University of, like, it's like Engelstadt or something crazy like that. I don't I'm, I'm terrible at German, but uh, he was actually, like, the only non-cleric at, at the, because that university was actually a Jesuit university, and there's that Jesuit connection. We will talk about Jesuits being evil and such. And there's another Jesuit connection. But, see, he was an atheist, really. He didn't believe, and in, at the very least, he was, a, he was a theist in the sense that he thought there might be a God out there somewhere, but it didn't really matter. The point being, he believed that knowledge and wisdom was the key, you know, to enlightenment, as you know, we think of the enlightenment era that we have today. See, that was spreading through, because no, we, we don't live in an enlightenment era anymore. We actually live in a postmodern society, because the enlightenment brought on the modern society. We're now in postmodern. See, the difference is, is now we get to say, oh, it doesn't matter. Your your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And we could just make crap up as we go. It's not like it used to be where, you know, facts are facts. Now we get to claim that, oh, those are your facts. My facts are different. Just because you want to believe something different than what somebody else wants to believe. So anyways... Weissop and his little guys, they, they weren't paying up very much because everybody was scared to, to do too much. So eventually, after starting, you know, the order, the Illuminati order, and not very, going very well, um, there are some people that claim that, you know, it's not a chance, not by chance that it started in 1776, the same year as the American Revolution. I don't know if the two are connected. There are people who try to connect some of the founding fathers of America with it. It's definitely a thought. There was there was a thought going through the air. And with, with the books that were going around and the thoughts that were going around at the time, people were definitely thinking about things such as, you know, the free flow of information and ideas. Uh, the, the, the printing of the Bible just a hundred and some years prior, really had opened up people's eyes. They start to read the Bible, and it opened their eyes in both directions. It it opened people's eyes to realize, wow, Christianity, this Bible, is not as straightforward as the church would like us to believe. There's a lot more going on here than what, what we're being told, which caused a lot of people to get deeper into it, and which is why... A lot in a lot of ways today we have more knowledge of the Bible than anyone in any point in history. But at the same time, it caused people to question more what was being said and what was going on. So what we end up with is a situation where you get this growing divide. You get the people are slowly but surely, they're able to read a little bit more. Of course, one of the things that helped literacy was churches would push reading the Bible on people. And so you would get to read the Bible and you, and eventually you became illiterate. You became literate. And, you know, in America, 
people became very literate. They would, even if you say, well, still, I've, I've seen numbers all over the place and some will still say only seven to nine percent of the country was literate in, you know, like 1800 or something. But the point was, is that more and more people that was higher than had ever been the free exchange of ideas was really taking shape. And the thing that happens, though, is people like. Even atheists, they like their orders. They like to have their little groups where they feel like they're, you know, together and they're involved. And so what you end up with is the Illuminati, which is the these enlightened people who are, you know, they want to be atheistic. You know, they don't want to deal with this stuff, but... They realize they're also see one thing Weisop was is he was a pragmatist. He he was in in a realist. He understood that see the reason why he didn't join Freemasonry to begin with was they thought it was too expensive and that they weren't open to his ideas. But what he did eventually, about a year or so, somewhere in the next two years after founding the Illuminati is he then went into the Freemasonry because he figured what he could do was slowly but surely change it from the inside. See, the one thing the Illuminati did was they adopted the owl, the owl of Minerva as their symbol because the owl of Minerva is, we think of owls as being smart. Well, why do we think of them as being smart? Well, you have the owl of Minerva or the owl of Athena, which goes back to Greek lore. Athena being a, a virgin goddess of, and of wisdom. And or Minerva being the goddess of wisdom. And see, the thing about the owl is that it wasn't necessarily... See, the thing about the owl is that it's, it doesn't necessarily, it's not just smart because it's smart. It's smart because it sees, it has these big eyes, right? It sees it all, but it's, it, it has all of its understanding in hindsight. See, um, Hegel famously noted the owl of Minerva spreads its wings only with the falling of the dusk, which basically means that the understanding that it comes to is a historical condition, meaning just as it's passing away, it understands what's already happened. So hindsight is the only way to understand anything. So basically, the owl watches its whole entire life, and a second before it dies, it, it all makes sense now, which... I would say it's a pretty accurate description of how most people are. You watch everything your whole entire life trying to figure it out. And none of it makes sense. And just before you die, you, so a lot of people get some pretty heavy clarity on it all. And so the philosophy, it does work. It, it works out because, it, you know, when you become old and you become gray, you, you, suddenly start to understand as the night sets in what the day was all about. So it does work. And 
So that's why they use their, their owl as their symbol. And you'll notice some symbology today. Today, if you go over to Bohemian Grove, go check it out online. They make do their mock sacrifice of the, you know, of they pretend like they're doing a human sacrifice. They do it to a giant owl. See, now they say they're doing it to Moloch, which is an ancient Canaanite deity um, that they used to, like, you know, f- kill their children and, and, and burn their children to this old ancient Canaanite deity, Moloch. Now, they use the term Moloch. I believe that's got to be either a misconception, a mistranslation, or a misunderstanding of what they're doing. Because I would even believe that because the the Bohemian Club has as their symbol the owl, I would have to believe that they understand that it, it's Minerva. And it probably said Minerva in, in Alex Jones, whoever recorded it, thought they heard Moloch. And because it's a, it's a you know, it's a... Uh, Cremation of care is a mock sacrifice, some burning something in effigy. They just put two and two together, think that it's a, that it's Moloch because, you know, they're burning the children and everything. So that's probably just a, a misunderstanding. But the thing is, is that's, there's your connection. You have these rich billionaires, the president of the United States and the former president and the father of the former president and, <laughs> You know, Clinton and all these different people going to this place where it's all men. They get together with an owl of Minerva and do all kinds of crazy stuff and enlightenment stuff and, you know, have a good time. Let's see, again, though, there's your connection. You have this owl. And you really think, you really think that a group started less than, you know, 80 years after the Illuminati would pick the exact same symbol over here in the Americas as what they have over there. Do you really think that? See, there there are such things as coincidences, but some things just work a little too perfectly. They can't just be. And therefore, it's obvious what they're symbolizing with like the Bohemian Grove. So, what you end up with is a situation where we have a direct connection between an old order of the Illuminati, which, yeah, it did actually get essentially chopped up because after, you know, during the French Revolution and everything, and you have these, you have these situations where, uh, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to move things back and forth and they're trying to get this stuff going, you know, this flow of information because they're trying to help uh, the, the French Revolution. They're trying to help the overthrow of the kings and all these things. Well, so obviously there's this fight against it. Obviously there was a pushback against it. So the Illuminati has to go underground. They have to, they're already being quiet about their intentions, but now they have to go underground. And they have to be even more shifty and shady about what they're doing. Because they already accepted that they were going to have to use the Freemasons as their way. They would have to get into the Freemason Guild, establish a messianic relationship, and then they would have to slowly put their, their thoughts and their practices in. 
And that happened. We, we know that happened because you have some of the highest ranking members of Freemasonry, both at the end of the 19th century, the 1800s, and in the 20th century, referring to the very things that they're talking about in the Illuminati. Now, the difference is, is that with, with the Freemasons, these are religious people, though. See, the Freemasons, you have to have a religion to get in. That's the whole point of it. It's, there is a God, is this all-knowing knowledge. And therefore, anything that's based upon the preservation of knowledge, there are going to be situations. There's going to be something, has, that knowledge has to come from somewhere. So it comes from God, whatever they want to say that is. So the point is, there's a God. And so you take you know, the pikes of the world, that they were inspired by the people of the day. So that you take this Illuminati, this illuminated concept, you mix it in with Luciferianism of its own time, and all of a sudden you start to see where people are being led astray with their thoughts. It's no longer just an atheistic concept it's now it's a new age concept see i believe that people behind the scenes are using atheism because it's essentially and don't take this wrong because there's a very lot of very smart atheists most atheists are very smart thinky people but they use the fact that they're essentially useless idiots for the most part. People who want to sit around and talk about stuff instead of actually doing something. And so you get this situation where the, the, you can use atheism or you can use a terrible, terrible religious affiliation, no matter what it is. So you end up with, on one side... The atheists who, again, are, they, they're all going to sit in their ivory towers and, you know, spit at, at, at the commoners and call them stupid. And at the same time, you're going to have this group, that this other group that is actually going to be religious, but their religion is going to be backwards and upside down. I'm going to get more into why that works on the other side. So it's funny because I I was thinking during the break that I actually recorded I actually directed a film some ten years ago or so called Yard Cell and in it there's a line uh, that the writer had come up with where he compares well he doesn't compare but he discusses the fact that you know that in Star Wars. The, the emperor played was was in charge of both sides. You know, he was in charge of the republic, and he was supposed to be trying to protect the public, but at the same time, he was also the head of the rebellion that would eventually become the Galactic Empire. So he, he's playing both sides. He's in charge of both sides. 
And he said, well, what about, what if during the Civil War, it's funny because what if the Civil War, if Abraham Lincoln was secretly in charge of both sides, the Confederacy and the Union? Now, I say that just to point out the fact that that's sort of what I'm getting at with this whole, you have atheism and you have this religious cult growing up. You see, what you do is you 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 have basically the same influence the same people behind the scene using both sides it doesn't really matter what they believe personally so much as what they're using because i mean let's face it if you're a business person it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, if you're truly about money, it doesn't matter if your employees are Jewish or Muslim or atheist or whatever. You want the best employees that do the best job that give, make you the most money. That's what you want. That's what you get when you, when you are worried about your bottom dollar. You, you, you go for the best people. Now, if you're an idealist, if you're an, you know, if you're a zealot or an ideologue or something, sure, you might be like, oh, we don't like Muslims or we don't like Jews or whatever it is. Well, the thing is, though, is if you're really, <laughs> I mean, and this is stereotyping, but if you want some people who are really good with money, you might want to put some, consider some Jewish people on your, on your staff, you know, that, that would probably help you out a lot. So the point being that you can't just you know when you when you are just an ideologue like that, it does hurt. So what do you what's what's the best to do? Well, you're willing to use both sides if it gets your your point across. Well, that's what we're working with today is that we have the result of where they took and they sat down and they said, okay, you know, we, they're atheists in their idea. And again, I don't even really know. I mean, if Adam Weissop might have been a theist. Because there's a lot of people that still believed in a God, a, a unknowable divine presence that we, we don't communicate with. It's just there. It's the first cause, if you will, which I believe, I believe the first cause in the sense that we have, it has to be there. I mean, it's something, it's something, there has to be a first cause. Everything exploded. Well, why? Just because. Just because that's not good enough. That's that's not good enough. Well, God exists. Well, where'd he start? I don't know. He's just there. That's not really good enough either, is it? But the thing is, is if God does exist, then he's the first cause for the universe. Okay, fine. Well, where'd God come from? I don't know, but it's still the concept. It, it's still at least it goes back to something. And I'm a lot I feel a lot better saying. That well, God caused the universe because we know the universe exists, and it has to. If it, it had to have a first cause. It just does. It's easier in my brain to put it that way. Okay. So whether or not you agree with that isn't really the point. The point is, you can still use somebody who believes in a first cause, and you can believe in somebody who believes that nothing exploded and became dinosaurs.
eventually. It doesn't really matter. It's up to you what you want to believe. The point is, both are useful to get your point across. And the thing is, is the two sides will fight each other, and they'll never look back to you. They're too busy telling each other how stupid each other are for what they believe to ever look at the person behind the scenes pulling the, pulling the strings. So, that's where where we are now. Everybody is, we had these two different sides. So, the Illuminati, basically, it did go underground because it didn't need to exist. It infiltrated the Freemasons. The Freemasons and Freemasonry then changed over the next hundred years what it was to what it would become. And that is, it changed from being essentially a Christian group of guys who had skills that they wanted to protect to being a brotherhood of rich people who may or may not believe in a god who can get together and drink without their wives, you know, nagging them. And while that is the basis and the very, very bottom level of it, you also got to remember that it's useful because now you have yourself a global network of people who are connected and interconnected and they're able to do what you want under the scenes, behind the scenes, and they're very secretive about what they do. So, moving forward through time, you the, the ideas keep going in. Well, what do you do? Okay, all of a sudden... You take these people who believe in a god, and you and, and the Luciferianism comes around. Luciferianism of Madame Blavatsky is not what we think of today. It's not the same thing as we think of today. It is essentially, it is, from lack of a better word, the New Age. It's when they refer to these different things and these different Christ consciousness stuff. So they're talking about they're talking about these sort of demigods that that you know, protect us or the, you know, oh, in the middle of the soul universe is a, it's a galactic thought that, that, that beams information into our brain. This is the type of stuff that these people believe. Now, Blavatsky didn't necessarily believe that she, she straight up believed that there was a, there was a plot against Lucifer, against who we think of as Satan to make him seem like a bad person and to, essentially degrade him because he was the savior of mankind why because he's knowledge he brought knowledge to people and therefore he is the savior of mankind he is the good one the god that the christians believe in is wrong because he imprisons you and keeps you from thinking freely Okay, we're back. And so, you can understand, if you never listened to very much in the way of what Luciferianism was, is, thinks, it's def- it's basically just taking, you take the Bible and you flip it on its head. You take the Old Testament and you say, okay, so, God, it, it, it's, it is, and it's even, if you want to really get a good, very good idea of it, for... You know, the Illuminati, which, you know, enlightened, enlightenment, 
eventually became Luciferian, Lucifer, the light bearer. Go ahead and go back and look. Go look at the old, the old Gnostics. Gnostic meaning knowledge. So knowledge, the Gnostics. If you want to look up something, it's a six-hour video online that you can get by going to um, um, Face Like the Sun's YouTube page. It's all put together. It's Mike Heiser, Dr. Mike Heiser. And he does six hours on the uh, all of the... Just that whole... It's based around the Da Vinci Code, but it's about Gnosticism and how that Gnosticism was a perversion of Christianity specifically. They took pagan ideas and thoughts of having these all these multiple gods and they combined them together with Christianity to create this this combination of 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 you know belief that and oddly enough everybody acts like well God, Jesus wasn't thought of being divine by the the old the old people back then. You know, they didn't think about that until the three hundreds. Actually, if you really pay attention to it, Jesus Jesus was according to the Gnostics was so much God and so perfect God that he was no he wasn't man. They actually do the opposite way around. Jesus wasn't a person. He was in fact he was inhabiting a body of a man. But he was a god, 100%. And so, they actually don't believe in his humanity. They believe only that he was a god. And so, again, right there you have this flipping it on his head. You have a person sitting here claiming, well, if you really knew history, you would know that the the Illumin, that the, the agnostics, they... they you know, they're the ones who have it right because, because you know, Christians didn't really think that... that uh, Jesus was God. They thought he was just a man. And we know this because the Gnostic material tells us. And yet, if you go read the Gnostic material, the Gnostic material straight up says that they didn't think that he was a man. They thought he was God. He was a God, one of many, but they thought he was God and he had no humanity. He, he wasn't a person at all. He was on a divine mission. He was a God on a divine mission. And that's it. So, jumping back, you can see where Luciferianism basically takes everything and flips it on its head. It says, you know, there's this God, Yahweh of the Bible, or Jehovah. Back then, they still didn't realize that Jehovah, the just sound, was new. So, they were saying Jehovah, even though Jehovah doesn't exist, because there were no such thing as J's prior to like 300 years ago. But so, the Yahweh of the Bible or the Yehoah, the Bible, or however you want to say it, was a bad guy. He created these humans, and he imprisoned them in a garden, and he was hiding knowledge from them. And so Lucifer, the light bearer, the enlightened one, the illuminated, he goes ahead and goes in and gives them knowledge. Knowledge that makes them like God. What does that mean? That means they know the difference between good and evil. He allows them to rebel, which is the greatest thing you can do, is have freedom. So, now you're sitting here with a situation where you have the, the Luciferians 
flipping everything upside down. See, this is where some of your, like, you have the Hegelian, they talk about the Hegelian dialect. Hegel's dialect is not quite as simple as they like to say with the thesis, antithesis, synthesis thing. But it is accurate enough, I guess, to describe that well, what will happen is you will have these, something will come up and then something else will come up out of that. So you have the thesis and you have this, the antithesis, but it's a direct result of the thesis. And then you have where the one rubs off on the other. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be a synthesis as far as equal parts. The, the antithesis can just go away or go under, but the thesis will, will rub off a little bit of, of, from the anti, from the antithesis when it does its synthesis. So what you end up with is all of a sudden you get this whole enlightenment thing and all Lucifer and Luciferianism. Well, that's pretty much been rejected because most people actually, believe it or not, are are going towards it. Well, you know, we can't really worship Satan and, and the devil. We we just have to believe that if there's a God, he's a good guy. But the other side is that we also start getting the atheists. And so it doesn't really make sense to think of cartoonish gods anymore. So what do you do? You start to come up with this sort of, well, it's, it's bigger than that. It's this transcendent thing. And so you take, and you take that Luciferianism and you sort of bring a little over, you say, okay, well, well, we still have this whole Christ consciousness thing where you can become sort of, and then they say, well, there's other religions that believe in becoming greater, like Buddhism. Buddhism believes you can, you know, become one with the whole world and one with everything and become one in yourself. Okay, that's great. So you just sort of, you sort of scratch a little bit off of this and scratch a little off of that. And you, you build this Christianity we have today, which is so much, it's it essentially the new age. The new age, you don't understand how, I mean, when you sit in church today and you listen to what some of these pastors and preachers are telling you, this is stuff that would have, <laughs> that, that 300 years ago in a church, people would have been rolling in the aisles, passing out if they heard this type of stuff, because this is the new age Luciferianism you're hearing. It is a it is a combination of two things that really shouldn't go together. And so what they're doing is they've been slowly but surely infiltrating us and making us, oh, well, there's no Jesus. There's no the New Testament. But Paul was mistaken and Peter was mistaken and all this. But there is this God and the God's unknowable. But there's there are these spirit beings that 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 look over your shoulder and and they're good. They're they're trying to help you. They're spirit guides. And 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 we're we're all, you know, spiritual beings that are just trying to ascend to another consciousness, a Christ consciousness, if you will. So you see what happens is you start to blend it all together. Well, jump forward into this modern era that we're living in today and you end up seeing where 
combining all this together, you basically have this, you have two sides now. You have this mass of humanity that kind of sort of believe in something religious, but they really don't know what it is because it isn't really a part of their everyday life. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, they'd rather go watch their, you know, whatever, smut TV or, you know, their, their um, FX or, or HBO shows or whatever they're doing right now. But you also have this other group of people that oddly enough are oftentimes more moral than the than the moral majority odysseus that are atheists and the thing is they're being played on both sides because when you hear someone today talk about oh let's say illuminati okay you see you, the vigilant christian on youtube was all oh, the illuminati media exposed He's not saying there's a group of people behind the scenes that are like that sat together and actually wrote out what was going to happen on MTV. That's not that's not what he's saying at all. The point is. It's the thought behind it. You see, the Illuminati said, "Okay, we're going to twist this and flip this upside down so that you have one of two things you have either. The people who are the atheists, or you have the who are useful idiots, or you have the people who believe they're theorists. You know, they are theists, but they're the useful idiots as well. You see, you're working both sides. And so what you do is you have them going backwards. Now, now all of a sudden, you know, the devil horns are a good thing. And, you know, being a witch is a good thing. And doing mock human sacrifices is a good thing. And so you see all of this craziness on here, you know, dressing up like Baphomet is a good thing. And you see what they're doing. It's a mindset. And yeah, okay, so like, like Jay-Z, he thinks he's on the inside. So he's got money now and he makes these little diamond signs that are actually Illuminati eyes. Ha ha ha. He's on the inside. No, he's not. He is so far from being on the inside. The people who are running the world right now, and they're not, again, it's not like it's this big conglomerate just runs it. We have freedom. We're in the United States and the West screws it up all the time for these elites. They would love if they could just run the show, but they can't. We do have freedom of, of thought so far until they start you know, trying to change our prefrontal cortex to get us to stop thinking the same way. But, which is working, they're doing that with the medication, so just watch. But the thing is, the people who are running the show behind the scenes are so beyond what what Jay-Z, he's filled with his materialism, with his everyday life, with with stupid things that that you know we're that that we peons worry about. The people running the show are not are they beyond that? Now, yes, do they indulge? I, I guarantee, yes. You go over to their little islands and stuff. And they are engaged in the most heinous debauchery you'd ever seen in your life. But you know what? So are poor people here in the United States of America and in the east coast of East Cleveland area. They're, they are the most depraved 
humans in the world. Everybody is. It's inside of all of us to be depraved. It's inside of all of us to love as well. Everything, every bit of God is inside of all of us. It's whether we want to use it or not. But see, the difference is, is this Illuminati thought process is, it's back there. They're using it against us. See, LeBron James does his little thing, his little eye thing, and he thinks it's funny because he doesn't believe in that sort of thing. He doesn't realize that there are people behind the scenes that are meeting in rooms discussing how are we going to try and crash China's economy? How are we going to try and crash the German economy? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? How are we going to work to create the world the way we want it to be created? You gotta understand, there's always people working for the evil. There's always people working for the right side. The difference is whose side are you going to be on? You see, there is a right and there is a wrong. We know this. We all know it instinctively. We try and act like we don't, but we do. It's in there. We fight it sometimes. You don't want to believe that there's an absolute. Because if there's an absolute, then that means you're, something is required of you. And you don't want that. And heck, I don't want that. But it's there. We know it's there. You can tell it's there. And the Illuminati is not some sort of just overarching thing that controls every part of our life. But it's an idea. And it is an idea that needs to be fought. God. Just like goodness. Just like right. And what is moral? It's there. It's it's worth fighting for. You have to decide whose side are you on. Are you on evil side? Or are you on the good side? We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening and have a good day.